Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant, and I am glad you're here. I don't know what you're doing right now, but you're here. We're hanging out. That's good. I like that. So I know there's a lot of different podcasts you could be listening to. There's a lot of different shows. There's a lot of great ones out there, a lot that I personally tune into. But you decided to hang out with us today. You've made a wise decision, my friend, because today we are joined by my buddy Tim Grawl, who is a book marketing wizard maven expert, all of the above. I tried describing him in a variety of different ways, just like that in the beginning. And We don't really come up with much, but the guy is super, super smart, has helped a lot of different people become New York Times bestsellers, hit those bestseller lists. So we talk about how he got into that. Not only that, but then we also, in the bonus material, we talk about just some strategies for if you've got a book or if you're thinking about writing a book and you need to figure out what do I need to be doing today to start building my platform, to start preparing for that. We stick around, talk a little bit about that in the bonus material. So As always, you can download the bonus material by going to the show notes page, clicking on the link at the top there for get the bonus stuff. You can find that within the show notes for this particular episode within the app or mobile device where you're listening, or you can go to grantbaldwin.com slash podcast, find this episode, and you can download that material there. So without any further delay, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with book marketing legend, Tim Grawl. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my buddy, Tim Grawl, who is a book marketing wizard, maven, scientist. Wow. I don't know. I'm running out of adjectives already, but he's just an all-around good dude, a smart, very, very smart guy. And most importantly, perhaps, he just recently moved to Nashville. So I'm telling you, people, this is where all the cool kids come. So Tim and I both just stepped off the boat, and we're loving it here. So Tim, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Grant. Been looking forward to it. Well, uh, first of all, how's Nashville treating you? Well, besides the fact that as soon as I arrived, the heat got turned up. I'm, <laughs> you I'm had to have brought to that it. with you from Virginia, though. Oh, man. But this is like a whole new level. So, But I grew up in Atlanta, and I swore I'd never go back south, and here I am. Nice. Very good. Well, I'm sure there's positives in it besides just the heat there. But we still need to connect. We hung out in Vegas couple months ago at a conference. And uh, we were just talking beforehand, we're going to be speaking at a conference together in Nashville next week, isn't it? Yeah, next weekend. Sweet. So we'll cross paths there at least. But all right. So book marketing, whatever I just described you as, how would you describe what it is that, that you've done in the book publishing space? So I've worked with authors to help them figure out how to build their platform and connect with readers so that uh, they can sell more books. And most of the work I've done is on building the actual platform and then helping them take that platform and launch best-selling books. So we've put books as high as multiple number one New York Times bestsellers, and then lots of New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today best-selling books. And we just look at how you can connect with those readers so that when your book comes out, you can launch it successfully off of your own platform instead of you know hiring a PR firm or just kind of hoping your book finds an audience. Right. It seems like it's definitely just a different 
day and age where you're, you have to build that platform. You know, you can't just depend on the publisher to throw your book on the shelf on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and it'll just magically sell. It seems like if you want to write a book and sell a lot, and especially to try to hit some type of list, it starts long, long, long before you actually write the book. Right. And, you know, I actually had a long conversation with a big five publishing editor a few weeks ago. And she was just telling me that. She said, you know, we can't create demand anymore. We just can't create demand. And what they do is help you take advantage of demand. But she's like, most books that we come out with, Barnes and Noble across all the Barnes and Nobles buy 500 copies. And half of those are going to get returned. And so unless you're out there creating the demand and helping your book get out into the world, nobody's ever going to hear about it. That's crazy. So well, like, first of all, who would be some authors that you've worked with in the past that have hit some of the bigger lists? So Dan Pink, author of To Sell is Human and mm-hmm. Drive, the Heath Brothers, Chip and Dan Heath, Decisive was the book I worked on, but they came out with, you know, they're made to stick and switch is what they're well known for. Then I've worked for Sally Hogshead and Barbara Corcoran and Pamela Slim, Hugh McLeod, Hugh Howey, the fiction writer of Wool. I don't know. It's over 100 authors at this point. So we've worked with all kinds from authors just getting started all the way up to the top bestsellers. So like what would be some general things that like you could do that would kind of help build some of that platform? So the number one thing you want to do is build an email list. I don't know how much other guests have talked about that, but that's, you know, forget social media, forget, you know, building your blog. Like if you do just one thing, build an email list and basically use everything else to funnel people to that email list. So the only reason I have a blog is to get people on my email list. The only reason I'm on social media is to get people on my email list. And so I focus on building up that email list because that's the best way to get people's attention and drive action. And then once you have that email list, you're able to communicate with people. When you come out with a new book, you can launch the book to your audience. Gotcha. Okay. That totally makes sense. So we can probably get into some more of the tactics and strategies for authors and writers and bloggers that may be interested in publishing in the near future. We can save a little bit of that for later. But let's backtrack a little bit. You said you grew up in Atlanta? Yeah. What was life like growing up? What did you want to do with life? Oh, man. It's funny because I remember saying to my dad one time, like, you know, all I want to do is like get a good job somewhere, you know, work somewhere for a long time and have a family. And that's... You make it sound so simple and pretty. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, that's all I wanted. And my dad was kind of quasi worked for himself. He had his own distributorship, but he's worked for Little Debbie for years, for like 30 years now. And then my mom worked for Delta Airlines for 30 something years and retired. And so I just figured, you know, that's what I'd be doing is find something and do it for a really long time. I'm on like my sixth thing so far. So that's not working out. (laughs) But yeah, so that's what I thought. I went to college. I got a degree in computer science and really just thought I'd find a good software company somewhere and work there for a long time. And after I had a couple jobs, just realized that wasn't for me and started my own business. That's crazy. Let me ask you this. I'm just curious here. Like, how old are you? In your 30s? 34. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 33. And so I've had same type of thing, like multiple careers and interests and paths and jobs over, you know, just my adult life. Thankfully, I've been doing the speaking thing for a little while now, and that's worked out. But I think about like my mom and like our previous generations, like my mom worked at the same hospital for 38 years. And that's been her entire career, like literally one employer, her entire career. Wow. So why is it then that 
like maybe our generation of 20s, 30s, somethings are more interested in trying new things like every few years versus feeling like let's just get one thing and just park it there for a while? Well, it's hard to speak for a generation, but <laughs> you know, I think there's a couple of things. I think one is the promise of money equal happiness. Yeah. That just doesn't work. So a lot of times our parents were the first ones to be like legitimately wealthy, like even upper middle class wealthy, you know, yeah. like could buy cars and could buy, you know, go on vacations and that kind of thing and realize like that didn't necessarily equal happiness. And so I think there's this level of you kind of put your nose to the grindstone in a job so that you can afford this lifestyle and we realizing like, well, you spend more time at your job than you do at home in most cases. And so maybe we should focus on making that better. Yeah. The other, I think, is just also just wanting to kind of make a difference in the world in a way that you can see. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to see. I think like my mom worked for Delta for a long time and obviously like what she did made a difference, but you don't see it on the streets, you right. know, like you don't really see how she didn't get to see, you know, kids getting off the planes and seeing their grandparents, you know right. what I mean? Like that, you know, so getting to be an actual part of making a difference where, you know, like in what I do, getting to actually see like I push this button and this author connects with more readers and gets their book out into the world and more people's lives are changed, you know. Right. I think that having that more just kind of connection to what you're doing and seeing how it makes a difference in the world. But, you know, I think for me, what's always driven me is um, I wanted freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, I started my own business so that I could have freedom. And so it as long as my bills were paid, if I could choose between money and freedom, I'd give up money for freedom. Right. And so now we're just, you know, talking before we got on. It has been two months since I've worked like an actual work week. And I'm probably working right now an average of like nine to 10 hours a week because of just stuff I have going on since I moved. And that's been 10 years of decisions of optimizing for freedom where now I have a ton of freedom. Yeah. And so I think that, too, of just realize, you know, Derek Sivers says that people, you need to choose between fame, freedom, and money and decide which one you're really going to go after and optimize for that. And I chose from the beginning I wanted freedom. And after a decade of optimizing to that, I actually have it. How do you optimize for something like, because freedom sounds really, really nice. And it is definitely something that so many people listening to this are going after. But like, what are the levers and knobs you can turn and pull the, to optimize for freedom? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is like, people say they want freedom, and then they have two car payments. Yeah. And they say they want freedom, but they go after that job that pays $150,000 a year. And then once they have it, they buy the house and cars to match. Right. I am driving right now a 12-year-old minivan. Nice. Like, you know, and I'm just excited because we did upgrade my wife's car and I got the minivan which has air conditioning. <laughs> you know, and I haven't had air conditioning in 4 years in a car. And we live in a small place and we've always just made sure that we kept our lifestyle low so that at any time, if I had to choose between money and freedom, I could choose freedom over money. Yeah. So it really is like, and then, you know, it, that goes into, well, what kind of job are you going to do? What kind of 
company are you going to run? Am I going to run a company that requires me to be on the phone constantly? Or maybe that's okay because I can do all my calls on Skype, but now I can do it from anywhere in the world. And I know people that are doing that. Right. But basically it comes down to like once my basic needs are met, if I could look at something and if I had to say, okay, I could take this job and lose some freedom but make money, I would let it go because I wanted the freedom. So it's more of a ton of little decisions that I could never tell you what to do for you, except that like my pastor always said, he said, you can tell me whatever you want, but I'll know what you actually value by looking at your calendar and your checkbook. Yeah. And so people, you know, other entrepreneurs tell me they want freedom, but when I look at their lifestyle, when I look at the kind of things they say yes to, they actually want money, which is totally fine. Like, I don't have anything against that, but you're lying to yourself, you know? So that's the biggest thing is I just make all those little decisions. And my wife was on board from the beginning that she wanted me to have freedom over money as well. So now I'm doing, it's worked out where... I'm doing really well financially, but there were lots of lean times where it was okay because I got to take Fridays off and spend them with my kids. Yeah, yeah. Great insights there. All right, so let's talk about this for a second. So you go to college, you're the computer science major, and then you said you kind of went through a couple different iterations of careers until you landed on kind of where you are now. What were some of the things that you tried that worked or didn't work? Well, so well, I, I had two jobs, and they were just kind of your typical small company jobs at like... I hated for all the reasons you hate working for companies anyway. Right. Nothing new there. But I also had started, this was right when blogging came onto the scene. Uh-huh. So me and my buddy, we wanted to get into mountain biking, but we had these really cheap bikes from Dick Sporting Goods. <laughs> and we wanted nicer stuff, but we couldn't afford it. So we're like, hey, I bet if we start blogging about mountain biking, we can get companies to give us free stuff. <laughs> and this was like, again, early on, and it was like super easy to pull this off. Like literally, I like posted some stuff on a blog and started emailing companies saying, hey, you know, if you send us stuff, we'll review it. And they're like, okay. And, you know, so they would like <laughs> send us all this stuff. I ended up at one point, I had like a almost a six thousand dollar mountain bike that, <laughs> that's that crazy Davis. and so i actually thought that that was going to be my career i built it up into i think i had five sites at one point wow two of them are still pretty well known in their space but it was really hard to make money with advertising and there was all kinds of other reasons it was more there's all kinds of other reasons why it didn't work but i ended up selling that off but what i learned in the process was how to do online marketing because i had to get keep getting more and more people to the website in order to sell advertising and so i learned how to do that and when i started working for clients doing web development i realized pretty quickly again at the time you know this was you know 8 9 years ago like being able to build a website and understand online marketing was a pretty rare thing. Mm -hmm. And so I started just building up this client base because I understood the nuts and bolts and doing the marketing side. And a while ago, I read this article by Scott Adams, and he talked about how the way to be successful at something is to be like really, really, really good, like top 0.01% in one thing, or be pretty good at two things that don't normally go together. And I feel like that kind of described what I did is I'm not the best web developer, not the best guy in marketing, but I put them together in an interesting way and I started building it up. 
And then I started picking up author clients, really liked it, and was working with a business coach, and he helped me make the decision to focus 100% on authors so I could become really good at one thing instead of kind of half-ass at a bunch of different things. And so that was seven years ago, and that's what I've been doing since. So whenever you decided to make that leap to focus just on authors, at that time, were you doing it full-time? Were you a full-time entrepreneur, or were you still working on a couple other things on the side? Yeah, I was full-time by then. I quit my job like nine and a half years ago, and I had hired an employee by then. And so we were kind of established. I had a pretty good client base, but it was all over the map uh, was the problem. I was building a web store for like a leather company while also trying to help an author market their book. You know, I was just pulled in too many different directions, so and, I focused on it. And collect bit. mountain bikes on the side. That's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I decided to shut that down I forgot when now, but I just slowly got out of it, ended up selling off a couple of the sites and closing down a couple of them. And now it's funny because I got out that really expensive mountain bike I told you about. I'd kept it for years thinking, you know, one day I'll get back into it. Um, I hadn't mountain biked in years. And so last fall, a buddy of mine invited me to go. I went out. I did great. Rode 10 miles. I felt good. And But about a mile into it, I was like, God, I hate this. It's so, <laughs> so like I came home and sold the bike. <laughs> nice. I got to ask, how much did you get the bike for? How would you end up selling it for? Well, I sold it, I think it was like 2000 because like by now it would probably be worth like a little over four because it's now a few years old yeah but i felt bad because i got it for free so i just (laughs) found this guy that i knew would just ride it and have so much fun and he couldn't ever afford to buy like a four or five thousand dollar bike yeah so i kind of split it down the middle i took actually how much money i needed to finish doing the renovations on my house (laughs) and like sold it for that much that's awesome nice (laughs) all right so what made you decide whenever you were kind of doing some of your own stuff and you're going to a couple different directions. What made you decide to start working with authors? Like, why was that appealing to you? Well, I had worked with a couple different authors, and I just liked how fast it moved. There was no bureaucracy. There was no like long meetings with six different people. It was just like you and the author make decisions, and you can move forward. And also, I've always been a big reader. You know, I feel like I went to school and got a degree in computer science, but you know, my real education has been from books. Yeah, and so. Getting to work, I ended up working with some of the authors that I loved their books and loved their work long before I ever worked for them. So, you know, it was kind of this dream job. And again, this was a decision that was more about freedom than money because authors can't pay you as much money as like corporations and big companies can. Right. And I had a couple contracts that were paying us really good money to do these big projects, but I just hated them. I hated sitting in all the meetings. I hated all the changes. I just hated everything about it. And so once again, you know, I optimized to freedom over money. Interesting. So whenever you first start working with authors, like what were you doing for them? What was it that you could bring to the table that could help them? Well, I understood online marketing in kind of a basic sense. I didn't really obviously have an expertise in the author side, but I had worked with a guy named Ramit Sethi for his book launch, and that's kind of what got me hooked working on authors. Gotcha. Is I had uh, worked behind the scenes and watched him launch his book and was just like, wow, he put it on the Wall Street Journal New York Times list with like no publicity, no traditional anything. It was just all through his own platform. And I was like rubbing my chin. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. How do you do that? And so I started like pitching other authors, you know, my way, I like to get paid to learn. So I would pitch authors and say, hey, I'm going to help you with your online marketing. Here's some initial things we can fix. And then I would just kind of 
test all my ideas with all these different authors to see what works and what doesn't. Interesting. And so, and I used, there's a fantastic book. If you are listening and you're wanting to build a service business of any kind, right now buy the book Recession Proof Graduate by Charlie Hohen. It's a small book. It's self-published on Amazon. And right when I was making this kind of transition, he came out with just a small PDF version of this and I read it and I followed it to the letter. And that's where I was able to build up my author business so fast. Like people would say, like, you came out of nowhere because I wasn't in the publishing industry. But then all of a sudden, my client list was like Pam Slim, Dan Pink, Hugh McLeod, you know, Guy Kawasaki, like all these big names. And I used that methodology to build that. And what was the nutshell on that methodology that was such a, like, just such a turning point for you? So, it was this way of doing free work that turns into business. So a lot of people balk at doing free work, and most of the time they do it wrong. They just go to somebody and they say, hey, you know, if you need me to do anything, I'll do some work for you. And it's right. like, well, okay, whatever. And the real value, and I was actually having a conversation with a guy that he's a year into learning to be a programmer. And I was like, you just have to keep remembering your value is not in programming, it's in problem solving. And it's identifying and solving problems. And the way that you do it is you use programming. But you can be a designer, you can be whoever you are. Your job is to identify and solve problems. And so the value that you bring to the table is being able to see the blind spots where people don't understand they have a problem. So... What I would do is I'd go to this is this is what I did to get Dan Pink. So I went to Dan's site, I read his book, I watched his TED talk, and then I went to his website and I identified three different things that were wrong with his website. One was he didn't have an email list, but there was like two other things. And I said, okay, I'll fix these three things for you for free. And this is why they're important. And I would explain why they were important. And I'm going to fix them for you for free. All I ask is at the end, you'll look at a proposal to keep working together. Interesting. And so I show that I know what I'm talking about because I identify the problem and then I fix it. Then people want people around them that can identify and fix problems, yep. you know. And so that's how I started building up a client list. And I would say like... Four out of five people ended up hiring me. But even like Guy Kawasaki, I redesigned. This was right when All Top came out. Mm -hmm. And so I redesigned and launched the All Top blog for free. And then he didn't end up hiring me, but he referred me like five or six clients within the next year. And I could still claim him as a client because he was a client. He just didn't pay me, you know. So it's a really fast way to build up a client list. And most of the time it's going to turn into work. And I was even given this advice to like, you know, in restaurants, they have these hoods over the stove and they have to be cleaned every once in a while. And so a friend of mine was getting into like hood cleaning. I was like, you should do this. Like go in, offer to clean the hood for free, explain to them how you're doing it environmentally safe and blah, blah, blah. I was like, and then look around the kitchen because he had worked in kitchens before. I was like, and find just like two other things wrong in the kitchen and offer to fix them. Like just do that. And he did that and he started just, of course, they're going to hire him over anybody else because not only is he just coming in to clean their hood, he's looking out for their best interest and fixing things that they don't even know are broken. It's so simple, but it like it is very, very effective. I think of it, you know, for myself as an entrepreneur, you know, when people would ask me like, hey, you know, let me know if I can help you. 
it's like, ah, now you're giving me like a job yeah. to come up with well, something for, you know, but if you came to me and said, Hey, I found these three things and not even just like, I found these three things. And if you pay me, I might be able to tell you what they are, but it's like, right, no, no, right. I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and take care of these for you. And if you find it's valuable, great. And if not, then you know, no big deal. At least I felt I was able to help you in some way, but it's so simple, but yes, it's extremely That's effective. My editor that edits all my blogs and stuff. I knew I needed an editor, but I'm like the whole process of trying to find a good editor and then like you need to like test them and like I don't know if they're any good, you know. And so she sent me, I'd never heard of her. She edited two of my articles, sent them to me as Word documents and said, look, you know, I love your writing. I love what you're doing. I just noticed that you need an editor. And so, you know, here they're attached. You can use them if you feel like it's a good job, you know. This is what I do. I'd love to work with you. That was two years ago. She's still my editor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, and I just, I pay her constantly for all the editing she does for me. And so it's like, you know, that it was the same thing. She like turned it around on me and it works on me too. But what's nice about that book, one is you need to buy it because like it's totally worth the money. And Charlie, I want to give him bags of money for like what he did for me. But also he has exact email scripts for you to use that I literally copy and pasted into my own emails and just would change. So absolutely buy that book. And that's basically the strategy for those that aren't familiar. That's the strategy he used to connect with Tim Ferriss. Right. Yeah. Tim Ferriss, Tucker Max. And what's funny is he tried to get Dan Pink too, but I'd already beat him too. (laughs) (laughs) Beat him at his own game. That's right. That's awesome. Very cool. So whenever you are working with authors for a while, I know that you did that for a little while and you kind of built up your own consultancy doing that. Yeah. So I built up the consultancy doing that. I did that for, I think it was seven years doing that and working with all kinds of different authors. And then Last year, early last year, I wanted to productize what I was doing because we ended up having to like block people, like tell people to stop emailing us on the website because I was turning down like five, six, seven people a week emailing us to work with us. And I was just realizing and so many and then that means we kept having to raise our prices, which is great, obviously, as an entrepreneur. But I felt bad like there's especially there's like so many of these authors out there, they don't have 10 grand to work with somebody like me. Like that's where we were starting at. And so um, I thought, well, if I, you know, most of this stuff isn't rocket science and you don't need like the highest end website to make it work. So I was like, well, if I put together as a product, I could sell it and it would scale better for me and I'd be able to reach more people. So I started doing that last year and it went really well. And so I ended up selling my consultant side of my business to the guy that's worked with me the longest. That happened March 1st. And then now I'm just selling the product full time. Gotcha. And so what is the, give us kind of the nutshell on the product of how that and and how individuals could actually use that for their own books. So it's called Launch a Bestseller. And I've been behind the scenes on dozens of launches. Again, put lots of them on the New York Times list and Wall Street Journal list and so on. And it's just the exact process I figured out for how to leverage a platform to launch a book and also how to use a book to launch a platform. So a lot of authors, if you're just coming out with a book and you don't really have a platform, you can use the book to build your platform. And there's some really interesting ways to do that as well. 
Yeah, so it's all the way down to the technical, how to automate a lot of it. A lot of people are like trying to use VAs to do stuff that you can automate. So I teach you how to automate it. I teach you how to do outreach. I have like exact scripts and everything that I've been using for years. So uh, it's all of that stuff inside the course. Nice. And unfortunately, at this moment, that's closed. Yeah, it's closed, but you know, just get on my email list. I have a free 30-day course anyway that you'll love and you'll get a lot of value of, and I'll let you know when it's available. Nice. And we were talking a little bit beforehand that maybe we can tease that out in the future, that maybe we can uh, do something with that and uh, share that with people when it's live. So let me ask you this. For someone that may say, okay, I have a book and I'm trying to figure out how to market it and how to promote it and how to get it out there. I may not have the platform or the audience to be able to make it on some bestseller list, but if I'm selling 100 copies right now, I'm trying to figure out how to sell 500 copies, you know, or even just another 50 copies. So like, what are some of those basic steps that people can take to begin to sell more books of what they have? Well, the first thing is to realize that just the fact that you're an author changes how people will view you. It's been really interesting. You know, my book is a short self-published book, but and I had done all of this work. You know, I'd done all the book launches, I'd put books at the top of the bestseller. I've done all that stuff. But it wasn't until I had a book that things really started to turn for me. I kind of went from being this guy behind the scenes to now people knew who I was. Like a great example I have is I put in to speak at South by Southwest for five years and got turned down five years. And then I had a book and then I ended up speaking at South by Southwest. It <laughs> changes the dynamic. You know, why is it that just having a book? So if you are someone who, whether you want to be an author or not, if you are just kind of an online or offline brand or personality, why is having a book so incredibly important and powerful? So it's a couple things because I thought a lot about this because I was even surprised by how big of a difference it made for me. You know, early on when I was first getting into freelancing, I was doing any kind of web development, but I started telling people because I started developing on WordPress when it first came out, like literally version 1.0. And so as WordPress started to take off, I just started telling people like, hey, I'm the WordPress guy. I can fix WordPress sites. And now I could do anything web development wise at the time, but I became known as the WordPress guy. And what that does, it gives people a way to pass you along. So then somebody will say like, oh, I'm having trouble with my website. He's like, oh, this, I know the WordPress guy. I got a guy. Yep. Yeah. And so, and a book is like that on steroids because it's like you planting a flag in the ground and saying, I know this subject. I'm an expert on this subject. And so it puts you out there in a way where people recognize you based on the book that you've written and people still see books as a status symbol you know it's that has not changed even with the self-publishing and all that kind of stuff because most people don't understand what's going on with self-publishing and all that right and so and even if it does like people know i self-published my book and they still think that like they still give me a status because i have a book on the subject (laughs) it's also the best kind of marketing because it's a gift but also marketing right giving somebody a brochure they don't feel like they got a gift you know (laughs) i got spam right exactly and but people spend money on your book and then they read it and they become a fan of yours and they want to do more with you and so like people would spend money on my book and then hire me because they're like okay he's the expert yeah 
And so it just is this kind of status symbol. And so what happens is, is you can use the book to open doors that were closed before. So you can go to the conferences that wouldn't let you speak and say, hey, you know, I'm Tim Grawl, I'm the author of your first 1,000 copies. And that just that those two words, author of, will change the way they see you. Yeah. And the same thing goes for like getting on podcasts, um, doing guest posts, like all that kind of stuff, is you just start going out in the world and saying, hey, you should have me be a part of what you're doing because I'm the author of this, which makes me the expert. Yeah. You know? And so when people don't have a platform, but they're coming out with a book, I tell them just to launch the book. Don't make a big deal about it. Put it on Amazon and then just start using that book to get out into the world more. And you'll be surprised at how it opens doors that were previously closed. Nice. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, especially about the if someone like I have an idea for a book, what are some things I need to be doing now to build that platform before I launch the book and ways that I, if I have a book, ways that I can leverage that and continue to promote it and use it in other ways. So we're going to save some of that for the bonus round. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes here. People can download that for free. But in the meantime, if people are interested in what it is that you do, if they want to check out your first thousand copies, of the book that you've got, where can we find all of this information? It's at timgrawl.com, which is horribly hard to spell. So it's T-I-M-G-R-A-H-L. Or Google anything close to that or your first 1,000 copies and you'll find me. Awesome. And we will be sure and link up to that in the show notes. I actually, I realize I've got a copy of your first 1,000 copies, Tim's book, the step-by-step guide to marketing your book and really, really good stuff there. So definitely stop by, check that out. So Tim, again, we'll chat a little bit more about publishing and platform building over in the uh, bonus round. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat with Tim Grawl. Really good stuff there. Again, I'd encourage you to stop by, download the bonus material, click the link at the top of the show notes page, or if you're listening on a phone or mobile device within the show notes there within your app, you can click the link as well, download that, and listen to a few extra minutes of Tim and I chit-chat about building up a platform for an upcoming author, or if you've got a book out, how you continue to promote that and increase sales. So good stuff there from Tim. As I've mentioned before, a lot of people I know are interested in speaking. And so if that is something that you're interested in, we have a new email course, just a free email course called Get Started as a Speaker that we want to hook you up with. You can get that for free over at bookedandpaidtospeak.com. Again, that's bookedandpaidtospeak.com where you can download that. So make sure that you sign up for that. Again, nine emails teaching all about how to get started as a speaker. Take action and not only start getting booking engagements and speaking engagements, but also getting paid to speak, which is really, really nice. So you can find that again at bookedandpaidtospeak.com. All right, boys and girls, that wraps up today's episode. We will be catching you again next time. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.